0: All right, welcome to the Red Alert Podcast. I know a lot of people were waiting for this moment because they were saying, like, when is the next Red Alert Podcast? And I was telling them, I don't know when the next Red Alert Podcast will be, but I know that Cindy will be here. But Cindy is having phone problems, so she is here, kind of in her, like, soliloquy. And
1: (laughs) (laughs) I promise, I'm getting a new phone this uh, next week, and I will be on video because I I love to...
0: I think they call it incognito. Uh, that's what they call it uh, in the military. Uh, you are incognito, like you're not really. You don't. No one knows where you are, kind of thing. Um, for me, it's kind of it's kind of stressful because I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're planning. I don't know who you're with, and uh, <laughs> you know this this could be a very uh, tense situation because if you are with someone like of the Red Wings ilk, uh, I, I gotta watch what I say. Now, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I promise you, um, I if you're with your Hollywood friends,
0: I, I can't make fun of some people, like, there's just I can't.
1: That's right, that's right. Well, you know, the good news is I don't normally have uh, you know, spectators when I'm doing the podcast, that time is just for you and all of our listeners. So, but yep. uh, maybe maybe sometime soon here in 2024, we'll have some surprise guests on, and I'll just have people here and we'll have them pop on camera just for fun. <laughs>
0: That would be fun, but we got a lot to talk about with this Detroit Rubbings team. Obviously, if we talk about the Rubbings, you know, we we uh we talk about uh before we before we like went into Christmas break, right? We were talking about they needed to get started fast. Well, they went like I think they went the last four games of 2020, 2023, they went one and two, so that was not ideal by any stretch of the imagination, right. And- and um, so you like look at the last six games. Um, I got them right here. Uh, obviously, they lost to New Jersey. They lost to Minnesota. They win against Nashville. They lose against Boston. Like the, all the home games, they lose except one. Well, they played two games on the road. So there you go. And then they won the San Jose Sharks and the LA Kings game, and and those were high scoring games as well. But you know, it's kind of it's this part of the schedule kind of sets up for the Detroit Rubbings because number one. After tomorrow's game against the Ducks, they're going to get a nice day layoff, a couple days layoff, four days, I think it is. And uh, they need to get Huso back and they need to get healthy. So, that this is probably the best part of the whole podcast because the Robins are finally going to get healthy and that's exactly what they need to do.
1: Well, absolutely. And I'll tell you, this 50 this 50 uh, win ratio is not going to be good enough. You know, about a month ago, I was talking to uh, my good friend, Darren McCarty. Everybody knows Darren. And, um, we're really good friends and having this conversation and I was quite frankly losing my shit. I mean, I really was, I I was losing it because I just saw kind of this decline coming at a time when, you know, they did this last year, right about this time, they had that same, I saw them going on that same trajectory. I was getting concerned. I was, you know, and and Darren's like, Cindy, you know, don't, don't panic yet. Don't panic yet. Well, interestingly enough, uh, earlier this week, I saw Darren on on his podcast and uh, on a network that we that shall not be named. He that shall not be named. And, uh, no, but I saw Darren and, and, and the question was, <laughs> the question was, is it time to panic? And, um, you know, he was really now saying at this point um, he didn't say panic. But what he definitely said is it's not going to be good enough. Uh, what the Wings have done in the month of December is not good enough. Uh, to be competitive for a playoff spot, and they have put themselves in this position. They have put themselves in this situation where now they're kind of climbing up the mountain, and uh, we're going to talk about that in this podcast too. Uh, Joe, what is the potential path to the playoffs for the Red Wings? Darren suggested that they need to win seven out of the next ten games. Uh, in order yeah. to build some momentum and position themselves uh, for a playoff spot before you know, the All Star break. So we'll talk about that mm-hmm. later. But uh, is it time to panic? Eh, it's definitely time to be concerned.
0: I don't think it's time to panic by any stretch of the imagination. I think, look, you get into the season of, how, you get into this part of the season, it's always time to be careful and concerned about how you're playing. And I think when you move forward, I think there's a couple of things you got to look at. Number one, the goaltending has to get better, just plain and simple. I mean, if I can bring up the stats right here, you know, the goals against the average for the Detroit Robbins is 26 in the NHL. They face 26 most shots in the NHL. So when I, when I look at that and I look at their offensive numbers, there's no way that they should be struggling like they are. They need to get their defense figured out, and they need to get their goaltending figured out. That's what they need to get figured out. And you know what? I, as much as we like Newsy, this is his time to earn his keep. Because as as I've said with Dan Campbell and uh, Aaron Glenn and Ben Johnson with the Detroit Lions on um, that podcast, the Detroit Lions News podcast, you got to earn your money. You know, your your job is predicated on results. You know, as a politician, city, you your your job is also predicated on results you know as a podcast person like i do my job is predicated on results if i don't if no one listens to the show no one watches the show and no one cares about the show and no one follows the show well then guess what not doing it <laughs> like right it's, right it's not that's that's it, it. it's that simple and it's, yeah it's, it's funny because i think people make up these these outliers where they're like well, it's a defense. Well, it's the goaltending. Well, well, you know what? We got to figure it out because this is your team. This is obviously the team Stevie Y put together, and I mean, there's days where they play really, really good, and there's days where they can't, they can't keep the puck out of their net. And the fact of the matter is, when they don't score four goals, they are winless. I hope that's that's incredible at this point of the season. It's incredible. Well, and, and that's,
1: that's because they're letting too many in, as you said.
0: And that's part of the reason that Brett—I mean, not Brett, but um, <laughs> Newsy Lalonde—has to get his ass in gear and make some coaching adjustments, get some things situated. I mean, it's—it's it's not a talent issue if you are losing games if you don't score four goals. That's not a talent issue. I mean, every guy that you have on this roster is an NHL defenseman. Now, what, uh, what pair they should be on—that's different. But but right now, you have players that are playing good and then they played bad and i'm starting to think that it's more coaching related than it is player related in my opinion
1: i think you could be on to something and, and granted too i i like i like malone as well um i think it, and darren and i had a conversation about this as well and i'll kind of let everybody in on, on our insights in terms of what we were talking about but um i believe we be, there's a a consensus okay, that what's happening with New Zealand alone is the fact that the coaching strategies and techniques that he's, that he's implementing are really for more mature players. Uh, they're for more, um, you know, a, a more and, and I don't mean necessarily mature as in um veterans versus you know, like kind of like younger guys, maybe two, three, four year guys in but a more mature team, okay? This team, this collection of talent has not played together long or much. There's been a lot of personnel changes and we talk about, talked a little bit about that, actually a lot about that, uh, this season about the gelling and when that happens and how important it is. And the, the thing is, if you're trying to implement coaching techniques and strategies meant for a more gelled, a more mature team, uh, who's played together for a while. If you're trying to implement that in a team of guys who really hasn't, it's not going to work out so well. So I agree with you. I think he needs to change his tactic and strategy. You know, Scotty Bowman learned this as well when he brought in the Russian five, um, brought on all this great Russian talent. They were, they did tremendously well in Russia, but what happened is he tried to fit them into a North American model of play and it didn't work out it's not that those guys got less talented it's just that they were not in a system that that they had been successful with and it didn't it just didn't work for them so he had to make that adjustment so with regards to your question or your comment about adjustment uh that's a perfect example of that and I think that Derek Lalonde uh, has to adopt uh, a different model for the team that he's got
0: yeah, you know more, as much as anybody uh, with the staff that you have, you know, in your political career, that you know sometimes you have to revert course. You know, sometimes what you have on your roster, in terms of your people that you employ and the people that you have, they're not going to be always what you want. You know, I don't think Victor Hedman is walking through that door for the Detroit Red Wings. I don't think that um, you know Mikhail Sergachev is walking through that door for the Detroit Red Wings. So at some point, you have to make up your mind and kind of figure out things. And, and it doesn't really matter how which way you kind of lean. You know, I feel like the New Zealand alone is more of a – he's a defensive type of head coach. So it's, it's time for him to make his hay on the defensive side of the ball. You know, we've seen it with Dan Campbell uh, with the Lions. You know, when the offense wasn't really playing up to his ilk and he's an offensive type coach, he made the change. He he took over the play calling. He kind of made it his, and then Ben Johnson took over the, the same kind of play calling that Dan Campbell went went with. So what I'm saying is, this uh, this is a critical time for the Red Wings. I agree with Darren McCarty on that. That this is a very critical time, especially when you think about you got some games coming up, and I'll put them up here. Um, that, that you know, in the next couple, in the next week, uh, you got the Ducks, you got the Oilers, and the Kings at home. You have to win three of these. I That's my opinion. You have to win three of these. Now, I can go with two, but you need to win either the Ducks, the Kings, or the Oilers. And it would be nice if you could sweep all three. Because what I see right now is you got two home games. And we've been sitting on this forever, Cindy, me and you. The Wings' home record is not good. And I don't know what we're going to do about it, but their home record has not been good enough.
1: Yeah, and that's been an ongoing challenge for them. And, you know, it's interesting. We talk about those three games, and you're saying how you feel we need to win them. I'll tell you what. I did a little bit of an analysis, and I think we're going to win them, and I'll tell you why. First off, Anaheim. You know, we talked about this West Coast road trip. It's always a challenge for the Wings. Even Darren alluded to that on his podcast. You know, when they used to go yeah. out West, it just for some reason – that's just a challenge for them, um, and we've we've talked in the past about why that is. However, Anaheim is not doing well right now, according to the the sharps betters. Detroit, and for those who don't know what a sharp better is, sharp better is basically professional gamblers, professional betters, and um, they have really good track records. According to the sharp money, is on Detroit, uh, <laughs> according to the odds. Right, Detroit has a fifty eight percent chance to win that game against the Ducks. I think they're going to. I think they've got some confidence and momentum coming off those two wins in San Jose and L.A. I think they're going to beat the Ducks. When they come home to play Edmonton, Now let's take a look at some of the, the facts about uh, playing the Edmonton Oilers on home ice, okay? Um, Edmonton right now is on a six-game win streak. I think they're probably right. due for a loss, to be honest with you. And yeah. they're going to have to play the Chicago Blackhawks before they come to play us. So they're coming off a home yeah. streak, but – then they have to head to, to Chicago, and then the very you know like two days later, uh, they have to play us. And so, and it'll be the if, if the Wings win in Anaheim, which I think they will, that means they're coming off a huge high of winning the three games out on the West Coast. They come back, they're going to play Edmonton. I think Edmonton will be due for a loss. I think the Red Wings are going to be riding a streak. I think they're going to beat Edmonton, and then when the and then two days later the LA Kings come to town the good news for detroit with the la yeah, kings right is la kings are on a four game losing yeah, streak so. right now and they're going to be looking for you know they're going to be are looking for a win right but yeah. but the kings are going to be in the middle of a very long road trip and they'll have had three games where they're going to be in some serious competition before they come here. They're going to be getting beat up. They got the Caps, the Lightning and the Panthers before they hard come roll. to Detroit on that road trip. Yeah, tough schedule. Hard they road. have a very Yeah, very tough road trip uh for them. And I'm hoping that the Lightning and the Panthers, uh, maybe even the Caps can beat them up pretty good so when they come to Detroit, even if they have, you know, if they're having to slog through those last 3 games, they're going to come in tired, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm hoping for. Um, we have a pretty decent um, home ice record against the L.A. Kings, so I think we've got an opportunity there. I think we're on a streak. I think we're going to win these next three games, Joe.
0: It, they, I think it's it would be well-versed if they do. I think this is – you know, you Darren hit on it. It's a critical time of the season, and it is a critical time of the season. You know, we talk about it all the time on this podcast that, you know – at some point, the rubbings are going to have to make kind of a move. They're going to have to make a run because what they did in December wasn't really that good enough. And what they're doing right now is good enough, but it has to be sustained for a little bit. And, you know, you're in the hard division, no doubt about it. If you're in any other division, you kind of be in a great better spot than you are. But when I look at this team and I look at the next three games, I think Ducks game is winnable. I look at the Oilers and I say as good as they are, their goaltending can be like ours where it could be shoddy at sometimes. And then I look at the Kings and like you said, they have that tough road trip at, you know, c- coming into Detroit. It's not going to be easy for them. So it's a game that you should win. If there's any game that they should lose, it would be the Edmonton Oilers.
1: I agree with you. I think that's going to be the toughest one to win. Um, but I think they're going to do it. I think they can do it. Uh, but um certainly I think their best opportunity of those three games is going to be the Anaheim Ducks followed by the Kings. And then I think the Oilers is going to be the toughest, but you know, one of the other challenges that I see the Detroit Red Wings still have, and I, and I, we tend to compare the lions with the wings a lot, you know, because those were kind of the two teams we saw really uh, a lot of similarities between the two. And you mentioned quite a bit about Dan Campbell and obviously, you know, everybody's familiar with his style and so forth. The one thing that Dan Campbell has brought to the Detroit Lions that Derek Lalonde has not brought to the Red Wings is a sense of identity. The Red Wings still don't have an identity. And uh, I don't fault Newsy Lalonde for that. I really don't. Um, I think it's, it's challenging to build an identity when you have constantly changing personnel. I mean, it's really tough. But I do think it is his responsibility, and quite frankly, Dylan Larkin's responsibility to kind of shoulder that weight. And so, unfortunately, like you said, though, it's time to earn your money for both of those gentlemen. You know, now's the time. You got to earn your check. And one of the things you got to do is you got to shoulder quite a bit of this responsibility to get this team an identity and to get the momentum moving in the right direction. They've got a good start of that. Hopefully, they'll continue it with these next three games here.
0: Yeah, I look at these these next three games, and these are huge games, but, you know, you hit on it. I think there is no identity with the Red Wings right now, and I think that's a huge issue. I think that if you're talking about the Red Wings, like, you know, we're used to the Red Wings having an, an identity at some point. I think the identity is going to come down the line with some of the prospects they have in the in the pool, we're going to talk about that in a minute because I love uh, that, that. There's one guy that I'm absolutely in love with, and I think that he's going to be – the future. So I'm just going to get that. But, um, but yeah, they don't have an identity right now. I think they're trying to form an identity and I kind of, you know, you said it's not, it's not New Zealand alone's fault, but it is his fault because an identity doesn't have to be built with talent. It has to be built with the way that you, you, you play the game. And I don't think that the New Zealand alone puts a good, you know, good enough it's kind of, um, I don't think he puts a good enough kind of, identity what we want out of our players out there I think it's more like oh we want them to be defensive but you know what the, the fact of the matter is you signed Alex to you traded for Alex to bring it you signed Patrick Kane you're not a defensive team let's just be honest so at some point in time you're gonna have to you're gonna have to figure out what's your identity and go from there I think that you know Newsy alone saying that the identity is defense and defense absolutely sucks it's not a good it's not a good identity So I think they need to do something and look, they might go trade for a guy at the deadline, maybe, but they have issues at at that back end and it start, you know, hopefully Huso comes back and, you know, plays as good as he did before, you know, this year, last year was great, but this year he has been absolutely terrible. And I hope that Alex Lyon can kind of keep it going, but I'm kind of reluctant to say that too. So and she's well, not a good submission.
1: You know, the thing is, I think there's somewhat of a disconnect between the the culture hasn't been solidified yet. Right. I mean, Detroit historically has been, had a gritty culture. I think we do very well when we go in there as kind of the gritty underdogs um, or, or just just even, you know, we're tough and uh, all this kind of stuff. LaLone does not have that persona he's not a gritty risk-taking kind of a guy. I mean, he just doesn't seem to have that style about him and uh, he seems a little bit more passive and I'm not so sure that that works for for this team and for the culture that needs to happen. They got to pull themselves out of the uh, out of the gutter and the only way, which is where they're kind of headed. They're not there yet. I mean, you know, we're not the Chicago Blackhawks, thank God. But um in order to pull them up from where they're at, you know, Dan Campbell said, Oh, you know, how do you think we got to where we are by being risky, by being gritty and uh, Mm -hmm. Derek Lalone needs to change that kind of persona. I mean, Scotty Bowman, he was a tough guy. Uh, Mike Babcock for as much as people hated him sometimes he's a tough customer. You know what I mean? You don't want to screw with either one of those guys. Derek Lalone doesn't have that same type of passion and that same type of um, persona.
0: Agreed. Oh, speaking of the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. We talked about this a year ago in regards to Conor you know, the size factor and everything like that. Right. Well, today it comes out that he fractures his jaw and he's going to miss four to six weeks, which isn't a size thing, but it kind of is a size thing. And obviously if you're the Chicago Blackhawks, you're worried about Conor health going forward because fracturing her jaw is not a big deal in terms of the recovery but getting hit in the head is definitely something that is something that you should look at. And I just I hope the guy cuz he's a he's a good kid and he plays hard and he's a, he's a fabulous player but like they need I feel like the NHL has done a disservice to these these players especially with the smaller players coming in the NHL right now. Like if you got Connor Bedard, you need to bring back the instigator rule. You know, I think it's funny because there's a lot of leagues that will that will gravitate to their superstars, and I don't think you're getting a superstar like Connor McDavid anytime soon. You know, a, a tall, you know, big guy that's gonna kind of he's gonna push his own weight around. You know what I'm saying? He can handle himself. But some of these kids that are coming up the pike in terms of talent, they're smaller. They're way smaller than they've ever been to before. And I think you have to bring back the – you have to get rid of the instigator role because you got to protect some of these kids because they're coming in here 5'10", 5'11", 5'8". And, you know, I, I've, I've heard I heard Darren McCarty, your boy, talk about this, that they need to bring back the instigator role. And I think that if they're smart, I think they should. That's my opinion. Because I think that the NHL is going towards a, a path if they're smart, they need to protect their superstars, kind of like the NHL NFL does. The NBA overdoes it. So that that don't don't take any cues from them at, at all. I mean, you'll get penalties every freaking play if you take the LeBron route. So, right. so it's just it's just the way it's just the way it goes. And it's kind of like a happy medium. But if I'm the NHL, if I'm Gary Bedman, you know, we talked about it before about the size of Connor Bedard. He's a fantastic player. But at some point, the, the size is size. You know what size does matter okay it, yes, all it sure the does <laughs> in <all laughs> the life it does so it does i don't it can I don't...
1: let's put it this way joe let's say this it can matter it can <laughs> matter and 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 the thing of it is With regards to Connor Bedard, you know, I had quite a bit to say about him. I've been watching this kid pretty closely because I'll be honest with you. I'm a little concerned about him on a number of different levels, both professionally and personally. Um, I'm I'm just being a little more cautious uh, when it comes to, you know, kind of his development and his future and all that kind of stuff. But a couple of points on Connor Bedard. Number one, uh, this is a great teachable moment to remind everybody that, You know, every time the draft comes around, people are pissed that the Detroit Red Wings never, you know, seem to catch a break in the draft. And the fact of the matter is that you could have a superstar generational talent, first round, first overall pick like Connor Bedard. Mm. And it isn't going to make your team any better, necessarily. He hasn't done any favors for Chicago. They're in the last place and probably damn near getting to be you know, mathematically eliminated from even being able to make the playoffs. So it's kind of like that doesn't necessarily mean success for your team. It's success for Connor Bedard. I mean, it makes him look like a superstar. He's going to the All-Star game because he's the best Chicago's got because they suck so bad. So, I mean, what does that tell you? It tells you everything you need to know, right, Joe? That's your line. It tells you everything
0: you need to know. I mean, well, it tells you everything you need to know. And then the second part about it is, you know, you brought up a good point. I mean, here's the thing. You don't build a hockey team with one player. Now, awesome. I, I, I know a lot of people think that, like, if you get a Conor McDavid, you're going to be great. I mean, look at Connor McDavid and how great he is. He's one of the greatest players I've ever watched. I don't care what anybody says. He's better than Sidney Crosby. And well, look the- at
1: this. The Detroit Red Wings now have one of the great – arguably one of the greatest players of all time in Patrick Kane, and we're struggling. And it's not Kane's fault – at all, uh, he certainly wasn't going to be a savior well, or a messiah for point. the Detroit Red Wings.
0: Well, well, that's my point, Cindy. You know, right, you got you know, Patrick King is obviously older, but um, when you got like a guy like McDavid, right, as good as he is, they haven't gone to a Stanley Cup final yet. You know, as great as Conor McDavid is, they haven't gone to a Stanley Cup final. It tells you that hockey still a team game, and if you don't have depth, if you don't have talent throughout the lineup, you're probably not going to go far. Now your, your superstar can only take you so far. You know, I think, I think the Rebels kind of uh, figured it out like in the, like in the middle of the nineties, like the 94, 95 season. I think they figured it out with Steve Eisman. And then, you know, I think Cindy Crosby with the Pen- Penguins, I think in 2007, 2008, they kind of figured that out. I think if you're the Oilers, they've never figured it out and they kind of won't. Right. <laughs> right. Kind of well, they're
1: spending, you know, in as far as the Oilers go, I mean, the, the problem is they're just way off balance in terms of where their their uh, capital mm-hmm. is going. They got way too much committed to too few guys, and then they can't balance out the rest. I think it's a balancing problem with the, their capital investment. But
0: it's also it's um, also because it's also because they're in Canada.
1: Absolutely, well, that's certainly you, a factor. Yeah.
0: If you, could, I I was reading something the other day, I forget. I think I saved it, but I don't know where it is. But. Basically, if William Nylander, which is for the Maple Leafs, he's their forward, if the, if the Leafs were to sit, uh, keep him and they were to, you know, re-sign him to a deal, they'd have to sign him at $13.5 million. To put that into perspective, the rubbings would only have to spend 10.3. The Lightning and the Panthers could spend 9.3. And I think it was if the Rangers wanted them, I think it'd be like 12.2. So that's that's the in kind of that's at the taxes of the game that kind of come into the game. You know, I don't think people really realize how much that kind of matters. You know, where you live kind of is key. Like if you're in Florida, a guy like uh there's a lot of Lions fans. They want this guy, Josh, Josh Allen. He's a he's a defensive end, and he's projected to make like twenty three. He's projected to make like $18 million in Florida. But if you go outside of Florida, let's say you go to Michigan, if he's projected to make $25 million a year, that's a oh, lot that's... of money, man. It's a lot of money. Absolutely. And it's because of the taxes. Yep. And that's why I always tell people, that's why I always tell people, I hate this salary cap in the NHL because it's never, it's never going to be good for these Canadian teams. There, there will never be a Canadian team that wins a championship anytime soon until its cap is gone. That's just my opinion because there's no way in hell unless you get severely lucky on building a team full of, you know, try hard guys or just kind of like the Vegas Golden Knights kind of thing. But the Maple Leafs are never winning the Stanley Cup. I don't care how you slice it. They don't they don't they can't afford it unless they get rid of some of their players.
1: Yeah, they've there's been some some they've made some really poor decisions in both those organizations. And yeah, they're up against a number of excuse me, unique factors when um, when you're dealing with the Canadian markets and uh, the, all all of the regulations that go on in the taxing issues and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the other thing on with your issue or your discussion about the instigator rule, the fact that the game has the reason why these players are getting smaller, obviously is the transition of the game from a physical game to more of a speed game. And you're faster when you're smaller, you know, it's one of the advantages, right? So, um, you're going to see more of that. And I think that that might make some sense to do that. So, um, You know, the other thing with Connor Bedard is that, again, his health. You know, I'd like to touch on that because I think that's important. The fact that he's now had a significant, relatively speaking, uh, his first significant injury uh, that's going to sideline him for a while. You know, he's pretty much been going about uh, his NHL career, I don't want to say untouched, but he certainly has had a bit of a pass, I think, in certain regards. And now uh, I think some of the reality of the NHL is coming home to roost with him and he might start skating with a bit of fear now, or at least apprehension. He may not be skating with the same kind of um, fearlessness and, and proceeding with the same kind of fearlessness as he had prior to getting injured. You know, you've got, you know, when people are in car accidents, Mm -hmm. you know, even getting in a car after that is a little bit traumatic. It sometimes takes some time and they, and they have, actual physical responses to being in a vehicle when you've been in a car accident it's the same kind remember, of thing you know
0: the I remember got a jaw time, fractured i remember what? a time cindy i was driving to your house and i got rear-ended remember that and now every yeah. time i go down and now every time i go down 94 and we go uh, like even now it's like I'll, I'll like i'll be like oh is this guy gonna freaking hit me because he's on his phone you know that's kind of what you do and i think it's the same thing with hockey like you know, if you if you take a hit like Conor Bedard took, are you less kind of likely to make a kind of risky play in terms of trying to slice up the middle? Probably. It's probably going to weigh heavy on him. I, I, I know that, you know, all these athletes say, no, you know, I'll get back to the way I play and all that jazz. But that's not, that's not the truth. Because, you know, I talked to a guy before who tore his ACL, and he said that he was so deathly afraid in the first, like, couple games that he played that uh he played football so it's kind of different but it's yeah. not the difference the mind of an athlete and and he said when he would when he would when he would cut when he would make a move he was so afraid of, that his knee would fall apart again and it's that's kind of like the mindset of an athlete like if if you take some if you take a hit over the middle like of Bedard took when you go over the middle again after coming back it's going to take a little bit of time to kind of get that you know, emotion that you're gonna get hit again like that, it's it's gonna be hard. And it's 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 very rare that you got a player that would take, you know, take that and then say, okay, I'll be fine. Well, guess what? A lot of times they're not fine for a w- little bit. And even Sidney Crosby after his concussion that he had, he was even reluctant to go over the middle and take hits and stuff. That's just the way this game goes. And especially if you're a, a player like Connor Dard where the whole franchise is kind of hoping on you and relying on you i'm pretty sure the chicago blackhawks organization is probably like every time he goes over the middle for the next you know when he comes back they're gonna be like oh no 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 don't no and then oh yes oh yes you know like he scores a goal oh yes great but it goes over the middle they're gonna be like oh no 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 like they're inside their head that's what it's gonna be like
1: Well, sure. I mean, because it's human nature, number one, it's human biology and you've got muscle memory,
0: muscle memory for
1: good things, muscle memory for bad things. And so there's going to be that reaction regardless of his mental acuity or ability to overcome that or, or deal with it. He's still going to have to have that adjustment period on a couple games back. So, you know, it's, it's a situation where He's still very, very young. He's still a rookie. We can't forget the fact this is his first year, and he's still a very, very young man. So there's a lot that of factors that are going on that may slow down his, his um, recovery from that. So anyway, it, it's just a matter of, um, mm-hmm. you know, how, now how does this affect the Detroit Red Wings? Well, hopefully— um, you Know, I, I think what's going to end up happening is the Edmonton Oilers are are, not, are probably not going to have a bad game against Chicago. I think they'll probably win in Chicago. Maybe they're coming off with a little bit of um uh, overconfidence and give us an opportunity to uh take advantage of that and uh and squeak a win out of them uh on, on the 11th. So let's look at it that yeah. way.
0: <laughs> that would be good, but I, let's get to so that I want to get to something that I was more privy to, uh, Cindy. Um I don't know if you caught, caught the World Juniors. Oh, now, we had some guys over in the World Juniors. Congrats to uh, Trey Augustine, who was on the gold medal U.S. Olympic – I mean, U.S. junior team, which I'm so proud of the United States because over the course of 20 years, this U.S. hockey program has went from, you know, just cute to great. They've been great. You know, like the, the talent that they're popping out right now – I mean, you see with the Red Wings. I mean, Patrick Kane, Alex Debrinke, You see with the the Maple Leafs with the uh, with Matthews. You know, you see it all over the NHL. This Kachok, You know, the Kachok brothers. You know, there's so much American talent that's playing great. And there is a guy, that the Red Wings have, Trey Augustine was four and zero with a nine thirty six save percentage for the gold medal U.S. Olympic hockey team. Now they went against the Sweden, the Swedes uh, from Sweden. And there was two prospects on the Sweden team that the Rubbings fans are going to know, obviously. You had Sadine Pelica. He had two goals, four assists, and he was voted the top defenseman by the International uh, you know, Hockey Federation. And then Johansson was a plus one in seven games, which whatever. Danielson and Bicker, those are two prospects, too. Danielson had one goal and two assists. Bicker had one goal and three assists. He's from the German, So... I have a I have a very, very bold thought, Sandy. Very bold. Thought.
1: Well, well, is this gonna factor into this ongoing bromance that you have with Trey Augustine?
0: Well, no, okay. I don't have a <laughs> bromance with Trey Augustine. I'm gonna simply say this though. Yes, you do, but go ahead. I I know talent when I know talent, okay? And this Trey Augustine kid is probably one of the most legit prospects that the Ravens have. And this Sandine Pelica kid. I have a feeling that he's going to be like a superstar. I I, tr- I truly do. I feel like Steve Yzerman hit on the two picks that could potentially alter, you know, I think everyone's looking for Simon Evanson and Kosa to be the future or those two positions, you know, in terms of prospects, right? We know we got Sider, you know, still there, but I think, you know, the prospects, they look at Evanson and Kosa as the two guys that are going to kind of lead this team in the future, yeah. I would I would be interested and I would be reluctant to say that I think that Sandine Pelica will be better than Edmondson. And I think that Trey Augustine will be the future Detroit Ravens goaltender above Sebastian Kosha. I truly believe that. I truly believe that. I think that, that the way that this kid performed in the world juniors 4 0 with a 936 save percentage. Are you kidding me? I mean, he's 18 i was got, got
1: to say
0: he's not even 19 yet. Yeah. He, he, he just got the college, And he's right down the road at East Lansing, and they're having a great hockey season. They had a, a bunch of kids that went to the World Juniors and played f- phenomenal, and so did Michigan. But Michigan State has a couple guys on the Rebbinger's prospect pool that were like, okay, Brad Savage, Trey Augustine. And this Trey Augustine kid, I was listening to the Spit and Chick podcast and I think it was Merle's, which she's a former NHL player. He said uh, this Trey Augustine kid kind of reminds him of like, like, you know, uh, like a, a Henrik Lundqvist, a Jonathan Quick type player. And if that's the player that he becomes, holy. Wow,
1: that's shit. some high praise, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're saying that Trey Augustine could be like a Jonathan Quick, a Henrik Lundqvist, those are two future Hall of Famers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like. It's not like you're comparing them to, like, God love him, but Chris Osgood or, you know, or, you know, Curtis Joseph. You're comparing him to Henrik Lundqvist, who is one of the best goalies of all time. Like, wow. I mean, I just think that the way Trey Augustine played throughout that whole World Juniors was phenomenal. And when he didn't play, you could kind of see that they played a different kind of style of hockey in front of the goaltender.
1: Yeah, I think his performance has just been stellar. But, you know, Sebastian Kosa started off similarly um, and and then and then struggled as he went moved through his development. You know, he's struggling a little bit. So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see exactly what you said. I wouldn't be surprised. But at the same time, I also wouldn't be surprised to see Trey Augustine facing some of the ongoing, you know, challenges that we see Sebastian Kosa seeing. I think it's just part of the development. But I think both of those goaltenders will be outstanding additions and probably part of the long-term success of the Red Wings. You know, Darren said it, I've said it. Um, you know, people don't think because I'm a girl, I don't know this stuff. But I told everybody, look, the Red Wings are not going to be Stanley Cup contenders this year or next year, or possibly even the 25, 2025 season. They're going to be competitors probably in 2026, going into 27. It's going to be a couple, two, three more years yet before you really see him being competitive, right? And Steve Iserman is building this team for that moment. He's not building it for today. He's thinking more long-term. And I think that Sebastian Cosa and um, and Trey Augustine could very well be either one or both of the goalies that we see on the Stanley Cup for the Detroit Red Wings, um, you know, in the future here. So... Um, if that happens and Trey Augustine runs into a little bit of a, uh, I don't say a slump. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's, it's a development phase. He's going to go through phases of his development. Um, I I think that wouldn't be surprised me either, but at the end of the day, I think he's, he may very well be exactly as you say.
0: Well, here's what I'll say. I think he's way different than Sebastian Cosa. Because I've heard, you know, some of these guys from like the Spit and Chicklets and other podcasts, and you know, listening to you know people that play the game, and they always say that if you want a better player, more suited for the game right away, you you draft a college player. Like you draft a college player, because I mean I heard Rod Brendamore say this too. You know, he when his kid went to what was it Quinnipiac or whatever, he told his kid to go to college instead of the junior hockey route the reason he said that and it was very interesting to kind of note Cindy was he said that you're more prepared in college hockey which college hockey has changed incredibly there's more players playing at a high level than there's ever been in calotaki oh, yeah.
1: history oh yeah oh yeah that and, that's almost and, flipped on its head joe where it used to be juniors over college yep. um i agree a lot of the sources i talked to inside the league are saying now it's almost uh, switching uh doing a 180 where now it's college mm-hmm. over over junior hockey
0: well when Rod Bernamore said it, you know, the way he said it kind of was like, he's like, look, I told my kid, go to go to college hockey, kind of learn to become a man, um, because it's a more physical style game and it's it's more suited for the NHL. And he said that you're gonna be better off going there than the junior route. And I just feel like as a goalie, it's probably better to go to the college route because I feel like the goal the college goalies are more suited to become NHL goalies sooner. And my reason for this is, you know, you got some college players that are like 24, 25, they're they're men, right? You know, you got in the juniors, you don't have those guys. You just don't. So I I feel like Sebastian Cosa playing in the juniors, I think he kind of hurt his development, especially playing in the league that he plays in. Because if you look at the league that, you know, like the WHL is different from the uh, Quebec Major Junior League or the OHL. It's just the way it is. College Hockey, it's like, if you're in the uh, Big Ten, you're playing stars all over. If you play in the hockey East, you're playing stars all over. I mean, you got Will Smith, you got Parole, you got a bunch of guys, you know, we got players everywhere. And I just think, Cindy, that like, I think, you know, I think with Steve Eisman drafting some of the players that he's drafted, I th- especially the last couple of years, I think that he's went away from the junior route kind of way. He's went more of the Swedish Elite Hockey League and the college hockey and and kind of because they're more suited to come up sooner. You know, obviously, Simon Edmondson's kind of taking his time, but he's going to get there. But if it was a junior hockey player, like, you know, like uh, a guy, with well, the guy who got traded, what was it, uh, for Debrinket, uh, Sabrango, he was a junior hockey player, and they said he wasn't going to be ready for another th- two years. You know, so it's it's kind of was hit or miss, and I think that if you're a goalie like Trey Augustine, I think if you come up from the college ranks, I think you're ready because we see it with the Buffalo Sabers, the kid that started at Northeastern, De- Devin Levi, he's their starting goaltender for the Buffalo Sabers now. Now he's not, yeah, he's kind of struggling, but I think they brought him up too early. But that, that that proves my point that like these kids that are in college, they come up way sooner than some of these junior kids.
1: Well, there's definitely an advantage to being exposed to a wider range of talent. And I think that's why Steve Iserman is looking to the college ranks, looking to the international uh, players, you know, the Europeans. Um, Europeans have a little bit of a, a challenge when they try to adapt to the North American game. But as you said, they've been exposed to a wide range of talent. They've been exposed to older uh, more experienced talent, and I say older, but more experienced, more mature talent. And, uh, cool. yeah, that really leads to to better preparation for the, for professional level play. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can see we, – we can certainly see evidence of, of that trend happening, and hopefully uh, the Red Wings will position themselves well in the next season or two to make a deeper run into the playoffs. Because I'll tell you what, when I'm looking at this schedule – and I'm looking at the possibility of trying to find uh, another another you know six wins in here um, over the next nine games because let's assume that you know we're going to count that that L.A. Kings win um, and now you got to win six more uh, to find yourselves positioned for the playoffs. The thing of it is, is first off, those six wins are going to be tough to find. Uh, I'm going through it, and, I, and I'll tell you, and we're going to go. Through, we went through three of them already, Joe. I know we're going to go through a few more games here for the Red Wings coming up, but um, I'm interested in your take because as we go game by game, it it was tough for me to find uh, those, those, you know, six more wins. And um, if we make the playoffs, I think we're going to squeak in and I do mean squeak and barely. And I think we're probably, whereas I had hopes before of going deeper into the playoffs, I think we're actually probably going to get knocked out in the first round um, unless we become a different team. I do think Patrick Kane has been a game and not necessarily, I don't want to say a game changer because I'm with you. I don't think one, one guy makes a difference, but there is no doubt the value Patrick Kane has brought. And I think, you know, with his recovery, he's been a little tentative, but now he's got some tremendous confidence. I think building uh, post surgery, Mm -hmm. post recovery. And I think that he's, he's only going to get better. He's only going to get better as the season progresses. The question is, can the Wings address those other issues we talked about spe- specifically defensively, um, in order to really capitalize on that? And I'm I'm not sure there's enough time for that, but we'll have to see. You know, we've got we've got uh, you know what another what half almost half the season over half season still left. So, uh, but it's going to be critical. It's going to be critical that. Um, that we make the most out of this next, uh, you know, 10 game stretch here.
0: So looking at the schedule, you know, I I know we were going to get to this and obviously we're going to get to it, but um, the schedule, I, there's one key thing that I look at. And there's no back to backs. That's a good thing. There's usually a day of rest in between. So I think that's a, that's a plus for the Detroit Red Wings. But when you look at the schedule, you know, we, we brought up the Ducks, the Oilers and the Kings, two will be at home one's going to be on the road. That's going to be the ducks. Right. Right. But then you have three straight away games at Toronto, at Florida and at Carolina. Yep. Now I I would be satisfied if they won just one of them, to be honest, because that's a tough road. Um, but you know, you got to look at the way other teams are playing. I mean, like the Florida Panthers, I mean, they're, they're playing pretty well. I, I I'm looking at the standings right now. Um, Look at the now Toronto, Florida's in second place in the division, and they've won six in a row. You know, you go to Carolina; they've won five in a row. Toronto's won Toronto's won two in a row. They're four four and two, so maybe they're the team that you could probably pretty rely on. But that's a tough road because Florida's playing hot, Carolina's playing hot, and uh, when you look at this this team, like like I said, they got the Panthers, they got the Maple Leafs, and the Carolina Hurricanes, and then they got the Lightning, you know, and then they got the Stars. And the Flyers, that could be a win, but you know we have seen them drop a game to the, fl- the Flyers, so it's so a tough.
1: Let me ask you this: so let's look, let's kind of we took the first these last we took we talked about these next three games, which are all, uh, you know, um, going to be yeah. You know, we talked about the three games with the Anaheim, the Oilers, and LA Kings. Now let's talk about the next three after that, because you just touched on them, and I think they're important: uh, the Leafs, the Panthers and the hurricanes. And you'll be content to win just one. Um, I, I got to tell you, I've got them winning just one of those. And I'll tell you who I've got them beating. I've got them winning against Carolina. And I'll tell you why in, in the, the, the like, excuse me, the game against. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened. I was just like possessed by something there. Maybe cause I have to say Toronto Maple Leafs and I can't stand them. But anyway, um, their game against the Leafs, okay? Here's the reality. The Leafs are on a two-game win streak, as you pointed out. They, they are 50-50 at home, right? In the last 10 games, they won half of their home games. They've lost half. What's critical about that game is it's a division game, right? They're a division rival, and we're really fighting them for one of those playoff spots, or at least it's, 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 a, it's an important game in that regard. But here's the bad news. The bad news is that the Leafs are 8-2-0 and zero in the last 10 games against the Wings, um, mm-hmm. particularly when the Wings play in Toronto, very, very tough. I, I think it's very likely that they're going to lose that game against Toronto. When they ah, ah, the- ah,
0: ah, ah. Hold up. You're
1: disagreeing with me?
0: Because if you know anything about Toronto, they've been absolutely horrible at home this year. They are 9-7-2 at home. They are 10-3-5 on the road. Amazing. Again, we talk about all the time, it's like protecting home mice. You think home mice would be the better – spot to win right and they're just not and then i look at the i look at their injury to joseph uh, joe joseph wall which is their goaltender that's a critical injury but i look at like the goals per game for the offense and they're both near each other um but they also allow the same amount of goals allowed and they give up shots so i think that could be an offensive game that kind of suits the Red wings and I think that their home record kind of suits the Red Wings. Now, if you talk about the Carolina Panthers, I mean the Carolina Hurricanes, like you said, I mean I look at the Carolina Hurricanes and I go, okay, they're ten 3 and three at home, pretty damn good. Um, they're they're absolutely great with shots on goal. They're first in the league, penalty kill. They're ninth in the league. Um, and then they're thirteenth in goals against average. They allow three goals a game, pretty much. So they're a tough cookie to crack, especially at home. So if I was going to say what team is more beatable at this point in time? I'd say Toronto compared to Carolina. But if you want to say Carolina, you can say Carolina. I,
1: I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I hope we beat Toronto because we're in their division. And that's the one I'd prefer to win. But I think we're going to lose that one. The reason why I think we're going to win against Carolina. Carolina is on a five-game win streak right now. By the time the 19th comes around, we don't know what position they're going to be in. But at some point, all streaks have to end. And I think that if they're on a win streak, yeah, they might be running hot, but they're going to run up against a wall somewhere, and they're going to come across a couple losses. I think that Wings are going to play them at, a, at an opportune time for that. They're going to be on a long yeah. home stretch at that point. Um, but their record uh, in the last 11 games at home for the Carolina Hurricanes has been six and five. So they're they're marginally better at home in the last 11 their record against the wings has been five and five. So we've got a 50% chance to beat Carolina. Um, so I, I think that, and I, I think the wings are going to be ready for a win at that point. Also. Um, I, I don't know. For some reason, I just, I just think for those reasons we're going to beat Carolina. I hope you're right. I hope I'm wrong, but we're, we're opposite on that one. I, so given that, given the fact that we're opposites on, on those two teams I have to believe by process of elimination that we agree that they're going to lose to the Florida Panthers, that the Detroit Red Wings are going to lose to the Florida Panthers. I'll tell you why I think they're going to lose to the Panthers. Panthers are playing hot right now. They're going to be on a long home stretch, too. So mm-hmm. they'll have been nice and rested. The record against the Red Wings in the last 10 games for the Panthers has been 8-2-0. and zero. So incredibly well. And in their last 10 mm-hmm. home games, Panthers have been 6-4 and four at home. So... Um, they've got a good record at home. They've got a great record against the wings at home and, uh, they're running hot right now. So I think it's, it's likely that, uh, we win against, or excuse me, we lose against the Panthers. Sounds like you feel the same way, Joe.
0: I mean, the Panthers, this is, this is a critical uh, part of the schedule kind of thing. You look at the goals per game for the offense, right? So Detroit's 3.56, point five six. fifth in the league, Florida has three goals a game. Twenty first in the league. Now you go. What are what are they special at? You know what are they special at? Because they're not special at offense. That's obvious. They get third most shots on goal, and they get their twenty first in goals. But you look at their goals allowed, third. You look at their shots on goals, shot shot on goal allowed, they're third. You look at their penalty kill, six. Like (laughs) they're pretty damn good defensive team. So that's that's a game that you if you're gonna win. And the the have shown that they cannot win games that they don't score four goals in. So I would say that's a loss as well.
1: Well, it, it, I, I, I'd love to see us come out of it uh, with, with at least one. of We've got to win at least one of those games. If we happen to pull off an upset and win two out of those three, uh, we're very well positioned because then we run into our next five games, which are all at home. The Wings mm-hmm. right now in their last 10 are 5-4-1 at home. Um, yep. So, again, a marginal advantage, not as good as it should be. We, I think we can right. agree on that. Their first right. game when they come home from their road trip is against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I'll tell you, Joe, I have them winning that game. The reason why I, I like our chances against the Tampa Bay Lightning is because uh, – First off, I want them to win because, again, it's another division game against a division rival. That's important. Uh, our record against Tampa mm-hmm. Bay has been 3-2-0 and zero in the last five games. More importantly, we are 4-1. Yep. The Wings are 4-1 at home against Tampa Bay. And there's one other stat that I'm looking at, and you might not agree with my methodology here, but... I believe that one of the game changers, as I said, or definitely a huge impact factor for the Wings, has been Patrick Kane. Even more yep. impact- importantly, is the partnership between Kane and Alex DeBrinkett and the yeah. fact that those yep. are our top two performing forwards. Right. Well, Dylan Larkin's up there too. But yep.
0: And you. Yeah.
1: So, so what I did is I looked at the career stats for both of those players against each one of these rivals, and when we look at their their record against Tampa Bay kane has a negative he's a excuse me negative he's a minus eight and uh is a, a plus three so uh i think that gives us you know Debr- Cat, uh, kane's numbers aren't great against Tampa Bay but derinkca are and so i think between the two of them and all of the other things the advantages that that the R- wings have going into Tampa Bay i think they're going to win against the lightning
0: yeah, you look at this Tampa Bay Lightning game versus the Red Wings and they're similar on defense. They're Detroit's 25th, I mean 26th and goals allowed Tampa Bay's 25th. Uh shots on goal allowed Detroit's 26th, the Lightning are 19th, but it's like a it's like two shots. Um penalty kill Detroit's thir- Detroit's 12th and Tampa Bay's 12th, I mean 13th. And then you look at the uh, penalty minutes um t- Tampa Bay takes a lot more, but if you look at the offense and you look at one key factor, and it's uh, if we're going to talk about the, that game in, in particular, the, 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 the Tampa Bay Lightning are 8 11 and 2 on the road. They're 11 5 and 3 at home. So they're a much better home team than they are away. That's obvious right now. And then you look at their offense. I mean, Detroit is, is uh, their their power play is excellent, it's second in the league, but the Detroit Rebels have a better shooting percentage. They're better uh, with the goals per game. And I just think that this is a game that they should win because Tambay's shown a propensity to to, uh, to um, lose on the road.
1: Yeah, I think we've got a great chance there. Now here's the next one. Game number nine, what I call nine out of ten, is a home game against the Dallas Stars. This can be a scary game only because the record, the Wings record against Dallas has been horrible. In the last 10, they've only won one out of the last 10 contests against Dallas. They're one and four at home against Dallas, so that doesn't help them. Um the um the Dallas Stars in almost every game score more than three goals against Detroit at yep. home. So they're a high scoring team, which means that our offense is gonna really have to not only you know take over and do it and over produce. Okay, Mm -hmm. produce over expectations. But also that that really hits our weakness, which is our defense. So Dallas is going to be tough on a number of levels. Here is a a bit of silver lining and where I think there may be hope for a win. First off, I'm going to make a bold prediction. I I don't know if it's bold, but if you look at the stats, it's quite likely that Detroit is going to tie Dallas in regulation during this game because they've tied the last four out of the last 10 contests against Dallas. However, what's going to happen in overtime, where is what we have done historically has lost. I think Patrick Kane could be the difference in winning in overtime because he has been since he came with the wings and his, his career record against the Dallas stars is a plus 17. Alex Debrincat's career against the Dallas Stars is plus eleven. I think that that could make the difference. That this time, if we go to overtime with the Stars, we beat them in overtime. That could result in a win. But the stats tell us up to now, it's probably going to be a loss. But uh, I'm going to hang my hat out there and say I think they're going to I think they're going to squeak out and win against Dallas if we go to overtime.
0: Yeah, I think um, if you go to overtime, in any of these games, if you just get a point, that's that's crucial because any point matters, and every point does matter, especially in the NHL uh, standings. I look at Dallas and I go, man, they're a really good team uh, on the road, 10-4-3. At home, they're 12-6-2. That just tells you how good the Dallas Stars have been this year. And I look at them and I go, okay, what's their injury? They got two key injuries that are huge. Now, I don't know how long they'll be out, but they have Miro Hiskinen, who is their top defenseman, who is out, and Jake Odinger, which is a lower body injury, which I think is a severe injury from what I've heard, and that's a huge loss as well. Now, I don't know what, I know that their backup situation, they have a much better backup situation than Detroit, because they have Scott Wedgwood, who uh, who played for the New Jersey Devils last year, um, but his goals against the average is 311, 897 save percentage, so Obviously, missing a guy like Ottinger, missing a guy like Hiskinen, those are going to be key losses to this team. Uh, and and I think that if they're not back by that point when the Red Wings play them, they've lost two in a row right now. They're kind of struggling right now since the injury to uh, Ottinger. Um, they've they've lost some games that they and they won they won two games, but they won those two games against the Blackhawks. So does that really count? Probably not. They lost against the Blues. They barely won against the Predators. That was a game that they eked out. They went to overtime in this stretch one, two, three, four, five times in a 10-game stretch. I mean, they're not a team that's kind of they're kind of whistling by the graveyard kind of thing. And they're winning a lot of one goal games. And you gotta think for a minute, like losing a guy like Ottinger, which is a great goaltender, and losing a guy like Heskinen, that's gonna that's kind of come up to haunt you. I mean, when you lose that much talent in, in this league, it really doesn't bode well for you kind of in a long-term kind of output. So if they're out, I give the Red Wings the benefit of the doubt because I think they'll win that game in regulation.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's me. Of the, of the next 10 games or nine games, that's the one to watch. That's really the one to watch. Um Because if they do win that game, that gives them the seven out of – 10 they'll have already taken that'll be the seven games out of nine and then i'll be honest with you the, the what i call game 10 which is the home game against the flyers i think detroit's going to lose that game the reason i say this is that detroit is four six and oh in their last 10 against philadelphia they're three mm-hmm. uh they're three and two at home against the flyers so that is a is an advantage for them they do better at home against the flyers than they do on the road but both Kane and the brinkett are uh, both have minus records against the flyers. So, um it, it, that doesn't mean that things can't change, but I think uh I think if 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 we beat ourselves up beating Dallas, I think we're probably going to be a little tired coming into with Philadelphia and I I don't have as much hope for that one as I see possibilities for beating Dallas and to me it's really important we beat Dallas anyway. So, when we're looking at those uh and then the next, the last two games, which is not part of that ten-game pack, if you will, uh, the game, uh, what I would call eleven and twelve, the last two games before the All-Star break, you've got the Vegas Golden Knights and the Ottawa Senators. I actually think we're going to win against the Knights. We do uh, relatively, I, I think we're, we're going to do. We've been doing relatively well against them. Uh, it's a 50-50 shot, but I think we're going to beat the Vol- uh, Vegas Golden Knights uh here at home. I think we're gonna lose to the Ottawa Senators for some reason. They're like, you know, Seattle for us. They're just they they're one of our Achilles heels. We just seem to struggle against the Sens. So um I think they're gonna split the last two before the All-Star break. But in that all important as we're talking about this next, you know, 10 game pack or whatever, um I think we've laid out a path to victory for the wings.
0: Well I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take umbridge with what you said. The Flyers game, I think you're right. I think that's going to be a tough game. I do look at it this. So, Cindy, um, they have no back-to-back schedule. I'm assuming Billy Huso will come back during this stretch. That's my presumption. So, if Billy Huso comes back, I think that could help this team out pretty good because Alex Lyon and Huso, that'd be a pretty good goalie tandem. I look at the, I look at the Flyers. They've lost four straight. Their away record is pretty damn good. But, um, you know, they've been a great team this year, but their goals for isn't that great. Um, You know, they've been a more defensive team. I don't know how long this can last when you're only sc- you're scoring 2.89 goals against in, in goals for in the NHL. So I look at that and I go, okay, that's kind of a game. But I look at the two games that you mentioned as game 11 and game 12, right? The Golden Knights and the Senators. Now, I think that they're going to beat the Golden Knights because the Golden Knights have shown – over this course of time that they're not good on the road and they're missing a key player in Shay Theodore for, for undisclosed amount of time uh, for upper body injury. And then their goalie Aiden Hill, uh, Eden Hill uh, he's on IR with an undisclosed injury. So I don't know what that means, but that's pretty difficult to kind of, you, I mean, obviously we've seen them go with four five goalies last year and make the win the Stanley cup, but they're not good on the road. They lost two straight. Um, and, to be honest, I think the Rebbings are more better team than the Vegas Gold Knights right now. I, the Vegas Gold Knights have not really they they haven't really they haven't done anything that's made me go wow they're a great team right. I watch the Carolina Hurricanes and I go that's a great team like they're playing great right now, and I look at the Florida Panthers and go that's a great team too. But for the most part, I I like that game and then Senators being at home, I like that better than the Detroit Rebbings going to Ottawa right. I think Ottawa has been a house of horrors for Detroit. And I think that Detroit has been playing a lot better than Ottawa has. And I think that they should win that game. So if we look at this 12 game stretches, we look at, we forecast out Cindy. I love the way the Ravens are kind of put in a position. I think they they can make a run like they did last year. And unlike last year, they're not far away from the playoffs. And this is kind of where you have to do this.
1: Yeah. And, and Darren, Darren agrees with us. Um, you know, he basically said, Hey, you know, the no time, like the present, you know, like you, you got to get on this right now, boys, because uh, you don't have time. You don't have the luxury, you know, you took advantage of that great start to the season. It made up for this little, not made up for this little dip, but it equalized the dip equalized that. But now you are running out of time. You, you you have to make a move. Now you got to go on a, on a run and and they can do it. I think we've laid out an opportunity for them to do it. And I think if they sweep this, as we believe they will, uh, we, we sweep this West coast trip. I, I don't know the last time that happened for the Red Wings. So maybe that's going to build some momentum and be a turning point for them to come home and lock down those wins against Edmonton and LA and then roll into Toronto. And Hey, uh, miracles could happen. Maybe that that what'll happen is exactly as you laid out, Joe, and and those next three games will go as you said, and and then they'll find themselves in tremendous pr- position.
0: Well, I look at it like this, Cindy. Um, with this team, I think that they're 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 better than they played. I think that they've ran into some troubles recently, and I think that they're going to get on a run here. And I look at this, and obviously, if they sweep the West Coast trip, I mean, I can't tell you the last time that's happened. But I look, I look ahead to kind of forecasting like we have been. They play uh, another West Coast trip in February, the Canadian road trip. And that's always a tough road trip. You know, that's always a tough road trip for the Red Wings. It always has been. It's a tough road trip for any team going from east to west. But the luckily, the luck of the draw is that the, that they're going to play the Calgary Flames. That should be a win. They're going to play the, uh, Gold, the Kraken, who have been absolutely brutal this year. And they're going to they're going to have a good chance to uh, they're going to have a good chance to kind of make a run here.
1: I hate that Canadian trip. I hate it every year. Uh, It's always a challenge for us. So with a little luck, we'll um, be able to overcome that and do what needs to be done uh, and not blow any um, advantage or any uh, gain uh, grounds that are gained here in January. Hopefully uh, that doesn't get wiped out in February.
0: And as we look at – as we kind of close out the podcast, these are the leaders for – if you're on the YouTube or you want to go to the YouTube, we'll put this up as a, as a video. But um, here's the leaders for the Detroit Rabbings. Uh Alex DeBrinket has made his way up the assist ladder with 21. Raymond has 20. Gotha Spare is 20. Larkin has 19. And Sider has 17. DeBrinket has 17 goals. Larkin has 13. Raymond has 11. Fabry has 11. He's played absolutely phenomenal. And Daniel Sprong is 10. So, I mean – this team is performing like they should, um, especially in the goal department. They need to be better in the defensive uh, department. Obviously, if you look at this, I mean, goals per against, uh, goals against per game, twenty six, shots against per game, twenty six. They need to get, uh, they need to get better at that. And look, no one's going to make excuses for this team. But you know, Darren and you and me are in conjunction with. This is the time to make a run right here.
1: And it's really their last opportunity to do that in my, I mean, not the last, last, I'd say second to last opportunity to do that. Because if they don't, it's going to be such an insurmountable um, or such a mountain to climb that it's going to become very demoralizing very quickly uh, if they lose a couple of games. You know, they're, they're going to they've got to have that momentum. And that's really what it's about. It's about building that momentum, going into the All-Star game, uh, All-Star break, feeling good about that. And then being able to come back and prepare for for a lot of road trips uh, in February where, you know, they're they're going to have to really prove their worth. And so, um, you know, everybody's going to start talking to plus you got the trade deadline that's looming and everybody wants, you know, starts making all this all these kind of uh, predictions about what's going to happen with, with Patrick Kane at the trade deadline, which, by the way, uh, I got to tell you, I I don't think. The Red Wings are going to be sellers at the trade deadline. I don't think Patrick mm-hmm. Kane is going to go anywhere, to be honest. Uh, I believe, and I just saw it recently in some of the media posts that are out there, and it's something I believe. And I'm like, well, are they reading my mind or reading my notes for the podcast? Because <laughs> what I think is gonna happen with Patrick Kane, I think he's gonna get an extension. I think he and I and I look forward to that. I want them to extend Patrick Kane. For the balance of his career, I'd like to finish him to finish it up here in Detroit because I think that uh, Patrick Kane will be incredibly valuable when we are significant competitors to the Stanley Cup, probably two to three seasons from now. If he's here, and even if it's his last year, he's going to go out on a winning note with his name on the Cup yet again with the Detroit Red Red Wings. I think we're going to extend Patrick Kane. I think he likes... He really likes so much about being in Detroit. Uh, I think he's going to take it, yep. and um, and and I think that's what's going to happen. I don't think I don't think he's going to go anywhere.
0: Well, here's what I heard. I heard that you know the Rubbings obviously they don't want to sell anymore because they feel like it's going to it's going to hamper the development of the young players selling so much, and then being so close to the playoffs, they're just kind of kind of ride it out. Um, I do think that the Detroit Rubbings will make a move. In the terms of buying, uh, I heard you know Elliot Freeman allude to this as well on the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast. You know they could be looking at some defensive players, maybe uh, maybe a goaltender, but you know goaltender is kind of far and few between. There's there's not many go- good goaltenders available, and there's a lot of teams looking for goaltending, so that's a that's a problem. But the second part about it, you know, you talked about Patrick Kane wanting to be here. Uh, Grinelli from the Spit and Chicklets podcast said that he talked to someone. Who said that? You know, Patrick Kane, his heart was in Detroit. You know, Vegas offered him a chance to live in suburban, uh, suburban uh, Las Vegas, which is a great. <laughs> it's great, right? We both, right? Both, yes, that's a great. That's a great ploy. Uh, the Boston Bruins offered that. You know, you're going to play with Pasternak, which, if you're a hockey player, playing with David Pasternak is a is a phenomenal thing, especially if you're Patrick Kane. But all along was it was Detroit. That's where he wanted to go. That's where he wanted to come. He wanted to come play here in Detroit, and he has roots here. I mean, he played, you know, A hockey here with, with Honey Baked and Little Caesars, and, you know, I think that um, he will sign an extension. I believe he will, and I think that this Detroit team, I think they're going to make a run, and they're going to – I think they're going to get in the playoffs. I think they're going to get in the playoffs comfortably. Let me put it that way.
1: I hope you're right. I don't have as much confidence in that, but I'll tell you what. One last – comment about Patrick Kane I believe when Patrick Kane was evaluating where he was going to go he wasn't evaluating where he was going to where he was going to go just for this season the balance of the season I think he was looking to see where he was going to land for the balance of his career I think that's why uh he chose Detroit because I think that's what he wanted to do and I don't and that's another reason why I think the decision the decision to, to be in Detroit, the balance of his career, was one that he made before he came here this season. It wasn't a one-season decision, in my opinion. Um, just certain things, you know, you look for, he's got a somewhat young family as well. He's got a young, um, you know, young child. And, and he's, you know... He's coming to the end of his career and he's going to want to look for someplace that he's comfortable landing from a personal perspective. And I think that, you know, he has a lot of, like you said, he has kind of connections here. He's got friends here. He loved the fact he gets to play with Alex De Brinkett, uh, who are friends on and off the ice. Debrinkit's got a long term contract here. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of things outside of the game, but yet related to the game that influenced his sh- decision to begin with. And I think it's going to, um, we're going to see that play out, but you know, as Steve always does keeps everything close to the vest and there's really no reason for them to disclose any of that. Um, It's, it's time to stay focused on the future for the Detroit Red Wings. And I think that Steve's moves uh, are all pointing to that. And uh, I hope you're right. I hope they comfortably make the playoffs and prove and start to show what kind of talent they really have.
0: Well, I look at this, the playoff picture right now, they are only three points back of the third spot, right? And we talk about I talk about goal differential as kind of that key that puts you above above the rest, right? Detroit's a seven plus goals uh differential. You know, there's only two teams that are better uh in ahead of them right now that are you know ahead of them. You got the Pittsburgh Penguins who are a plus fourteen, you got the uh Flyers who are a plus no Flyers aren't better either, they're a plus six. So I mean I can just go to show you there's so much wiggle room in the standings right now and I, I like the way the Red Wings are playing i i think that they've kind of navigated a bad storm i think when they they get huso back they're going to become a better team and i believe wholeheartedly that this team right now is is poised to make a run and I, this going if they sweep the west coast trip that's such a key development in this whole thing because i expected them to, i expected them to lose two of those games i remember the last podcast we talked about you know, just winning one, maybe two, winning three is is phenomenal. If they get if they win the game tomorrow against Anaheim, that's a phenomenal course correction for the Detroit Red Wings because now they come home, they play the Oilers, they play the Kings, and then they go on the road. Uh, they go on the road. So that's that's it's a great time for them. They don't play no back to backs. I like that a lot because back to backs really stress you out. In terms of goaltending, in terms of lineup construction, and everything, so I look at that as kind of a plus. So this team moving forward, I think they're in a better position than people think that they they are.
1: Well, let's hope that we see that for sure. I I think that win against L.A. was huge. It wasn't pretty, but it but it got it done right. It was tense at some points. I I mean, it, neither one it, of those. It don't matter how
0: you win. win. It's how, It's so, just if you right. win.
1: That's right. That's right. And so we'll take it. And that's what champions do is they fight through and they get those, you know, dirty goals and those tough wins sometimes. And that's what it's going to take. So I look forward to seeing more of that. Hopefully tomorrow we lock this thing down. Hopefully we have two victories to celebrate here in the next 24 and three in the next 48. And everybody knows what those are, right? We want the wings to win over Anaheim. We want the lions to win over Vikings and we want Michigan to become champions on Monday. I think they will.
0: It'll be great uh, for the state, and obviously the Lions got a playoff game coming up, so that's even better. So let's just go and let's let's capture this momentum and just keep going. I mean, I know the Pistons are kind of like sucky right now, but you know what? Who cares? They're they're in the background. So we got you know Michigan football, we got the Lions, we got the Red Wings. Let's keep it going. You know, let's go to the baseball season. The Tigers start beating ass. So let's let's go.
1: Boy, you're very very optimistic, and God bless you for that. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I I've seen some fortunes revolt, and I think that the, I think I do think the Ravens are a good team. I think the Lions are a good team. I think the Tigers will be great this year. Um, and to be honest, I think the, I think there's going to be some good times for Detroit because I think that we've dealt with enough bull crap over the course of like five six years, where we we kind of seen teams, you know, rebuild and try to get better, and it's kind of frustrating for fans. But I think that. We're kind of turning the corner. And I think this Rubbing's team is a lot better than people think. I think that they've kind of navigated a difficult storm with having the goaltender issues that they've had with the health of the goaltenders. That's the main thing. And I think that they're going to move forward and they're going to be a better team. And I think that this is a great time for them because they don't have any back-to-backs and that's the key part of this, Cindy. They have no back-to-backs and that's what I look at. So it's been a great podcast, Cindy. We went longer than we probably thought we were going to go,
1: but a lot I think of the people stuff, will though. love it. Yeah.
0: I think the people I think the people will love it. And um, we'll see you guys on the next podcast of Red Alert, a Detroit Red Wings podcast on Between the Woods, Detroit and Red Alert podcast and everything. Me and Cindy, thank you for listening and watching. Um, obviously, doing a Saturday, there's not many people watching, but I know that people will listen on the podcast. So thank you for that. And we'll see you in the next podcast as we talk more Detroit Red Wings hockey. And hopefully by the next time we talk the rubbings are in a little bit of a more wing streak maybe two more games out to do it that'd be great see you
1: then go wings
0: all right we'll see you guys and uh have a great one and we'll see you in the next podcast.